Hi, this is Gary Nelson. Welcome to Gaza's Corner Podcast at podcast.gazascorner.com. Today's topic is Too High, Too Fast, Project Asphyxiation. I have, for much of my life, lived close to sea level. Most people don't think too much about altitude unless they travel a lot, climb mountains, or are professional athletes. If you live near hills or mountains, you might not even think too much about a hike or drive up a couple thousand feet or a few hundred meters or even a kilometer in elevation above where you live. You might not even notice it that much, particularly if you're driving. If you're hiking, well, any trouble breathing you may have can usually be blamed on exertion and that spare tire you may be carrying. Certainly, hiking in the mountains around Vancouver, Canada, or skiing at Whistler when I was younger, I never had any problems. The base was a couple thousand feet above sea level, and that was no problem at all. Taking the lift up another 3,000 feet or 900 meters or so and skiing back down? Perhaps I felt it, but as I was not that confident a skier, I had other things in my mind, like avoiding the row of trees up ahead. There are times, though, where changes in altitude can have a serious impact on you. Specifically, the rate of change is a critical factor that can be life and death for you, and also for your projects. Got air? Professional athletes are highly aware of the difference altitude makes. If they live at lower altitudes where the air is thicker, they know their blood is thinner. Those that live at higher altitudes generally have thicker blood to help offset the reduced amount of oxygen in the thinner air. More red blood cells pull in more oxygen to feed your body. If a professional runner flew from home in Vancouver at sea level to Denver, Colorado, and then tried to run a race, they would likely collapse early on because they would not be getting enough oxygen into their thin blood. Conversely, a mountain dweller flying down to sea level would gain a performance boost because of their increased ability to deliver oxygen in their blood. Until they overdid it and got stars in their eyes from effectively hyperventilating, that is. That is why athletes arrive early, usually several days before the event, to allow their bodies to adjust. It normally takes 7 to 10 days for your body to acclimatize and produce or reduce red blood cells to compensate for the change in altitude, depending upon the difference involved. Mile High City I am no runner, but I was quite surprised what happened to me in 2007 when I flew to Denver at 5,280 feet. 1,609 meters, to deliver a week-long training session in a nearby town. I had flown through the Denver airport many times and never really noticed the impact of the altitude. However, there's a big difference between being in transit compared to being a marathon runner or a trainer. When you are passing through, you don't exert yourself much, unless you're sprinting for the connecting flight. If you're running in a race or teaching in a class, you consume a lot of air. I was literally speechless after the first half hour of training. I was running out of breath due to the altitude. It was a bit inconvenient stopping every few minutes to catch my breath, and an unexpected alteration to my normal training delivery style. But with a few smiles and a bit of laughter at the struggling lowlander, I managed to deliver the course well enough. I also noticed that every day it got easier and easier as my body adjusted to the altitude. By the time I flew home, I had almost fully adapted to being at 5,280 feet. While I was at the airport waiting to fly home, I heard about a mountain train ride outside of Denver that took you up to one of the peaks. There was a big warning to not go on the train up the mountain until you'd been in Denver for at least a couple days. Over the years, a number of sea-level dwelling people had suffered heart attacks and had few died due to the sudden additional increase in altitude 
and stress in their system. Those people had gone up to the mountain on the first day, some within the first few hours of being in Denver. I flew out of Colorado with a newfound respect for what effects altitude can have on your body. A whole new level. March 19, 2009, Durango, Colorado. I flew through Denver to Durango, 6,500 feet or 1,981 meters, on March 18th, coming in from Dallas at 430 feet or 131 meters, where I had spent the last seven days. By this time, I knew to expect a noticeable impact on my body, so I was somewhat prepared. I was only there for a few days, and that was in meetings, not training all day, so I was less likely to be out of breath this time around. One thing about Durango. There is nothing much in the way of flat. Instead, there are plenty of rapid changes in elevation wherever you go, ranging from hundreds to thousands of feet over only a few miles. On my first day at the office, I asked my hosts what the must-see things were in the region. Silverton and Mesa Verde, they responded, but you won't have time to get to Mesa Verde before the park closes today. You could try Silverton, though. It's not too far, only 48 miles, 78 kilometers. Thus informed, I grabbed a water bottle and some snacks after my last meeting of the day and headed out for the short drive to Silverton, while I still had good light. Forty-five minutes later, I was cresting a mountain pass at 11,075 feet, 3,375 meters, and frightened out of my wits. It was not a sheer drop-off I was worried about. I was surrounded by trees and snow on both sides. I was gasping for breath while driving. Less than 24 hours at the initial altitude change from 430 to 6,500 feet, and here I was suddenly adding another 4,575 feet in 45 minutes. My mind flashed back to the warning from Denver a couple of years before. This was also much higher than the mountain just outside Denver. There was no cell signal in the mountains and little road traffic to call for help if I ran into trouble. I calmed myself as best I could and carefully drove down the long slope into Silverton at the relatively safer altitude of 9,308 feet, 2,837 meters. And after all that, nothing was open. It was off-season and not a single restaurant was open for me to have some dinner. So after a short breathing rest, back up the hill I drove, Carefully navigating the crest of the pass, I breathed carefully and deeply until I had dropped a few thousand feet on the far side into the slightly thicker air. I was very relieved to arrive safely back at my hotel, way, way back down at 6,476 feet. A note on project change management. Sudden change is rarely beneficial in your projects. Sure, you may have a specific cutover date when you launch a new system, replace an old one, or do the big media blitz for your killer new product. However, your project is not just about the big event. All projects involve change, and successful in projects include carefully planned strategies for managing that change. You don't want your stakeholders to face a sudden change unprepared. You want to prepare them along the way, let them know it's coming, what they will have to do differently, and ideally involve several of them in the change process so they can communicate with their peers. 
just like a sea-level dwelling athlete preparing for a marathon near Machu Picchu at 7,972 feet or 2,430 meters, you need to allow time for your body and mind to adjust to the new conditions. Professional athletes often prepare for the trip a few days in advance, doing what they can to minimize the amount of time they need to adapt when they get there. If they live at low altitude and are competing at higher altitudes, they may spend some time each day in a low-pressure chamber to try and force additional red blood cells to form ahead of time. If they are competing downhill, coming from high altitude to low, they might do the reverse, spending some time in a hyperbaric chamber to slightly thin their blood, but of course not too much before you leave. The point is, they know what the goal is, they know when it's coming, and they take steps to be prepared so they can minimize the impact of the upcoming change. Failure to do so may not only lose them the race, in rare cases, failing to prepare and allow time to adapt to the change in environment has been fatal for some athletes. Summary As a project manager or change manager, it is your responsibility to help your stakeholders prepare for the upcoming changes. Otherwise, the changes resulting from your project may catch them unawares and out of breath, or at the very least, red-faced and upset. Nobody likes surprises on projects, so help your stakeholders prepare. Good luck in your projects. Take a deep breath and take the time to manage change. This has been Gary Nelson, and thank you for listening to Gas's Corner podcast at podcast.gasscorner.com. If you'd like to read any articles, they're available at Gas's Corner blog at www.gasscorner.com. Thanks, and look forward to talking to you again soon.